0: I'm Rachel.
1: Hey, I'm Spencer.
0: And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast, the only one and the best one. (laughs) And uh, today we have our special guest, Allison Hussey. Hi. Hi, Allison. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for letting me be here. Um, We had to bring Allison on because she's kind of Spencer's boss.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Right?
0: Um, Allison is yeah. the music editor for the Indie Weekly uh, newspaper here in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill Triangle area. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And since Spencer writes for the Indie sometimes, you get to yell at him if he doesn't write that, if he writes poorly.
2: I have the, never yelled at yeah, Spencer. Yeah, she has never yelled at me,
1: even though just yesterday I was slow at doing something. As usual. <laughs> so definitely has reasons to yell at me, but doesn't. So um, yeah. So,
2: sh- so you're a good editor. I hope so. Yeah. I try to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, but Although um, Allison's not in the triangle for much longer. I know. So. That's
0: why we had to get her on a show, on an episode, real quick before you go for big old
2: New York City. Yeah, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this might be. When do you leave?
2: February 15th.
1: Okay, so this will be out just before you leave. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> Hurrah!
0: You can take this to New York and be like, look, guys, I'm famous. <laughs> I've been on a podcast. I'm sure everyone will care a lot. Yeah. That. I don't know. I feel like there's some probably some weird New York-style hipsters that listen to 90s country music ironically.
1: Oh,
2: I don't want to know them.
1: Yeah, they you need might. To be sincere. You first might. Don't, I, don't I was talk crap.
2: They might be your new best friend. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> you need to be
1: sincere with your listening of 90s country music.
0: Yeah. yeah. Either love it with all your heart and hate it simultaneously. Hate it with all your heart or get the fuck out. Yeah. Yep, we just lost three listeners.
1: That's probably all. We only have two, probably. So we're the negatives.
0: We had seven listens yesterday, whenever oh. I checked. So
1: it. we're we're roughly twenty four hours. Even though this is going to be way later from the first episode we posted. Uh, I went by Bojangles on the way here, and we're not yet sponsored by them. So I don't working. know why they're not in those seventeen or whatever listens. I don't. I don't
0: think we mentioned Bojangles in the first episode.
1: That was a mistake. We'll go back and edit that.
0: Yeah, we'll go add that in.
2: I have heard that it is notoriously difficult difficult to get a Bojangles sponsorship. Don't ask me how I know that, but maybe you could ask, like, another Southern staple, like Cheerwine or Biscuitville. Yeah, Um, we've talked about
0: we just want a Biscuit sponsor, period. So we, I mean, obviously Spencer prefers Bojangles, Mm -hmm. but I would also be okay with Biscuitville or Rise if we're gonna go for a local. Yeah, for sure. A local one. I would go with Rise.
2: Yeah. I like Rise, but Biscuitville has been my true ride or die for a couple years now. Yeah. And I just love Biscuitville so much. Biscuitville, sponsor me. I need a sponsor to live S- in the big city. Send <laughs> care packages to Brooklyn. Please. <laughs> I,
1: I ain't got no Biscuitville out here. Oh.
2: Uh, just give me a pimento cheese and bacon biscuit.
1: Mm.
0: We might have to go to Biscuitville after this. They're closed. Oh, they yes.
1: close it too. Yeah, this two. is why I don't like Biscuitville because three thirty and is closed.
0: That's that's so. worse than like having a Chick-fil-A craving on Sunday. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> But yeah, so Allison, are you are are you going to be writing? You're obviously going to be writing still about music when you're in Brooklyn. Yes,
2: yeah, uh, I'm going to be, I guess, like freelancing as much as I can. Um, probably looking for another big job. So if you want to hire me, hit me up. <laughs> hire me. Uh, so we're looking for biscuit
0: sponsorships
2: for Allison. Yes. And,
0: a, and a solid biscuit
2: op- sponsorships and employment. And you know, if somebody just wants to write me some checks for no reason, yeah, that too. Just going to put out that intention. We have have talked before
0: about um, Dolly Parton being like our god, our fairy godmother. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can just get her to adopt all of us. Great. And share some of that Dollywood money. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Hey, Dolly, call us. I mean, we're sitting in my house, and we have two Dolly Parton pictures looking at me.
1: Or she's looking always at us watching over as, us.
0: Yeah, she's always watching over mm-hmm. us. Well, cool. So... Uh, you
1: don't just like oh, 90s yeah. country. like other things. I like or many things. You listen things. to many things yes. for those future employers listening.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is have you ever even written
2: about... Have you ever written about 90s country? Huh. I... I'm not sure if I've written specifically about it. I've written about varying country things over the mm-hmm. years. Um, I think the biggest like country music feature I've written recently was about Charlie Daniels, uh, um, yeah. who is much bigger than the '90s. <laughs> yes. um,
1: for better or for worse.
2: Probably for worse <laughs> at this no. at this point. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I don't I don't know how much I've written about like '90s country mm-hmm. specifically. I've probably, like, delivered some speeches about how wrong the Dixie Chicks were done, but... Well, yeah, um, that was that was post-90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, but,
1: yeah, still... In general, 90s country, what kind of impression did that make on you, or does it still...
0: Yeah, because Allison's a baby compared to mine and Spencer's old ass.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so I was, like, really... I was a small child throughout most of the '90s, so most of most of my impressions of '90s countries are not necessarily '90s country, not countries. Um, most of my impressions are not necessarily like big picture, holistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, impressions of what was going on, but there are several songs that have just really stuck with me because I remember listening to them, especially with my dad. He's always been pretty into country music. Like I remember listening to tons and tons of like George Strait and mm-hmm. uh, his truck, and we would listen to. I guess this was maybe like early aughts, um, but we would always listen to ninety four point seven in the morning on the way to school when he was taking me to middle school. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, and there was lots of like '90s country played on them because at that point it was like five or six years old. So yeah,
1: they still hold up.
2: Yeah, well, and they. I mean, even if you listen to regular country stations
0: now, you still will get this wonderful '90s country stuff mixed mm-hmm. in because it's timeless. Yeah, which is why we're doing a whole <laughs> damn podcast about it. <laughs> So, like we always do, we have three songs picked out. So, the song that I chose is John Anderson's Straight Tequila Night. It came out in 1991 and was his second single on his album Seminole Wind. That album is considered like a comeback album for him. He had a lot of really great success in the early 80s, and Allison, you were talking about how... You really love... Wild and Blue. Wild and Blue. Uh. Um, so he had Wild and Blue and then... did you Do you know the song Swingin'? It was oh, a, yeah. It was the album. Swing. That, yeah, That's a good one. The, like, um, brass
1: and all that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, he had some really great successes in the early 80s and then kind of fell off. And so this was his, like, comeback. And, of course, Seminole Wind, the song on the album, which... You, did you say you... You had some feelings about that, Spencer?
1: I'm just not really a huge John Anderson, at least, like, 90s John Anderson fan. Like, those 80s songs... Uh, I appreciate it a lot more, Um, even like Chicken Truck, which is a song about literally getting stuck behind a chicken truck, which I think all of us can probably relate to, Uh being in rural North Carolina. Um,
0: Or a pig truck.
1: Or a pig truck, yeah. Yeah. So it's just a song about that, which uh, I think is great. But something about his 90s stuff, I mean, it's catchy, it just doesn't do it for me. Mm -hmm. I think his vocal style, for me, I can't describe it, which is great, as I sit here with Allison, Having written about music For the last 10 years (laughs) Describing music regularly I'm like I don't know how to describe his voice And what doesn't It's like He sounds like A little bit like Tired or wheezy Or something Like his delivery I just like don't love it, but the That's songs are I good. Was, like,
0: I was listening, I listened to his old stuff in preparation for this episode, as well as, you know, of course, Straight Tequila Night, since we're talking about it, and other stuff from Seminole Wind. And he does have such a distinctive voice, and I was trying to come up with how to describe it. I'm not a music writer, so I obviously am not going to be able to do it. But he does just have such a distinct voice that I think... If you hear something, you can say that sounds like Johnny Anderson just -hmm. because because of that style. But yeah, so do you want to play a clip? Um, Let's play a clip.
1: K-13 is her favorite song. If you play it, you might have a chance. Tonight she's only sipping white wine. She's friendly and fun loving most of the time. But don't her on a to keep night start about him and she's ready
0: to fight I, that song I think and I've said this before about other songs that we've discussed on this podcast is just so karaokeable <coughs> mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a, a central theme of most 90s <laughs> country is that you anybody can get up and have fun with this in a karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. So I was reading a little bit because, you know, I've heard discussion of John Anderson's song and the album being Seminole Wind being somewhat problematic, you know, since he's a white man, you know, singing about a Native American population and especially in Seminole Wind with with him talking about Florida changing so much. So I, I kind of did a little bit of digging to better understand like where he was coming from and he is from Apopka, Florida, I think is how you say it, which is like an area that was inhabited by actually populations that predated the Seminoles, which I think I need I need to do more research <laughs> on native Florida populations, but it struck me as maybe not so bad because that's where he grew up mm. and was exposed to. Which it also on Wikipedia says that Apopka is also the home to band Sawyer Brown. That two of those guys were from there, but then I got mixed information that said that they were from some somewhere else in Florida.
1: I'm not sure about that. We'll have, we'll to, be we'll have to call it. Sawyer yeah, Brown, we're going to so. talk
0: about Sawyer Brown later. Um, Just everybody's from Florida.
1: That Seminole Wind album was weird to me. And like the, it was this comeback album, but like the songs themselves is kind of like a mixed bag. Like he did uh, Steamy Windows, which was a Tina Turner song and she didn't write it, but one she did in the late eighties, which seemed like a weird Move for a country singer like a neo traditional guy who was around, you know, like he on one of his recent albums did a song written by Merle Haggard that Merle wrote for him. Uh, so He's got this, like, old-school country, kind of almost like an outlaw street cred. But then he's doing, like, a Tina Turner song, which was interesting. And one called Steamy Windows at that, which, like, if you look at a John Anderson album cover, think about steaming up some windows with that guy. It's not Billy Ray. I'll say that. Uh, it's not Joe Diffie either.
0: No, nobody so is Joe Diffie. No,
1: nobody's Joe Diffie. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, some interesting choices remain in that album, but it was a big success. For
0: yeah, me. it was. A, it was a really big dis- success. So I went and read the lyrics and there, there are a couple of things that I want to ask you guys about. So one of the lyrics is K-13 is her favorite song. If you play it, you might have a chance. So of course the song is about this woman who is in a bar and usually she drinks white wine and she's lovely to hang out with Um, and you might be able to go on a date with her if you play this song but then if she's drinking straight tequila you need to get the fuck away because she's gonna go crazy (laughs) as I think a lot of people do when they're drinking straight tequila
1: just so you know she's drinking straight liquor (laughs) that's usually
0: not a good sign she might not be on
1: her best behavior (laughs) I don't
0: think much of anybody is so the lyric K-13 is her favorite song if you play it you might have a chance my question for you guys is, what is your K-13? What is a song? Oh, geez. What is a song that if you were in a bar and you were single and you saw somebody put this song on, would you be
2: like, damn. Fishing uh, in the dark.
0: Really? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> and it, to, it doesn't have to be 90s Just country. Is that no. what it is?
2: Uh, well, I think Fishing in the Dark is maybe like 89. But yeah. like, yes, that's It doesn't like... have to be that is your song regardless
0: yeah. of what we're talking about. Yeah, I think so. Wow. <laughs> do you do you want to be able to like duet the round
2: part at the end with somebody is that the attraction or Not really. I think that that song just kind of to me is like it's just like a good time song yeah. and it's just like it is. Like that just sounds like I mean not that I would necessarily enjoy going fishing but that kind of like it's got almost like a sassy edge to yeah. it where it's like got this wink to it where it's kind of like wink wink nudge nudge like fishing in the fish dark fish quote like, fishing yeah um, <laughs> and just like I think the imagery in that song is so great and it's like the the way that song moves and the like the turn 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 like. Oh, it's just such a good I know song I really like, hate yeah. that it, it came out earlier Than the
0: 90s Because I would love To talk about that Yeah It'll probably come up again <laughs> we're, we're
1: already talking about it I know so. We're talking
0: <laughs> about it right now uh, Spencer what's yours? I
1: don't know Like I don't have An off the cuff answer Like Allison was just Bring it I, I'm real bad at these songs Like four days later I'll probably text These two And be like Oh this is my song Yeah I have to think Wait I overthink Questions like that yeah. um, So I don't really have one immediately coming to mind. Do you?
0: So I I, ha- I can answer this question two ways. If we're staying thematic with the podcast, it would be John Michael Montgomery's Grundy County Auction or Sold, whatever yeah. however you want to call it, because kind of like Fishing in the Dark, like that's just a fun song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's not necessarily a song that anybody would play unless they really, really loved it. Mm hmm. And if we're if we're going outside of country music, I would be like, "Hey, let me talk to that guy if he played some something that was somewhat obscure, but that I really love." So it would probably be like "Floating Actions, Don't Stop Loving Me Now." Like if if somebody put that on, I would be like, "Hey, "Hey, hey, how you doing?"
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that like obscure, like oh, this person knows this shit like you know just like no one else would know this song and it comes up like that would be
0: I mean it would make like if I heard that song in a bar and it was on a jukebox I would turn my head and be like like, what's on? up? Who put that on, but then I was like, What bar? <laughs> yeah, that's like a Spotify
1: yeah. only. Selection? No, I bet, like, Orange, Orange County, County Social, Social Club would have was that, thinking. but
2: yeah. maybe The Cave. But I don't know if they have their jukebox out of storage yet. Yeah. Um, but but see, like, for me, the when I have like gone out on dates with people who like are into the the like more weird stuff, I've uh-huh. always for a while. I was always just like, ooh, like if somebody knows like the weird music, that's like a good sign. Not necessarily true. In fact, (laughs) I found the opposite correlation that, uh, yeah, it's not. I don't know. My experience has been that anybody that knows
0: and loves floating action is a good person. That's fair. Yeah. 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 Because they're they're good guys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a great album too. Mm -hmm. 50 Lashes on there.
0: Yeah. We can play that. I've got all of them over there. Okay, but this isn't a floating action podcast. Yeah. Okay, I have I have another uh, thing that I wanted to point out about the lyrics. I totally forgot that this was a lyric and then I read it and I was like I'm so glad that Allison's gonna be here for this one so the start of the the start of the second verse is she's it says here's a glass of Shibley and some quarters for change or something like that and of course when I was like oh oh that makes me think of the lady Shibley and Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil which I know that you have a a love for her yeah and we've talked about that before, yeah, yeah. um For any of you who may not be literary folks, hi. or hi,
1: hi, I'm Spencer,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or fans of movies that star John Cusack, right?
2: Yeah, like yeah, young, like young John, John Cusack. Cusack, and but also Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, but before we knew that he was a shithead. Ugh. So, and yeah. also young, super duper babe Jude Law.
0: Yes, mm-hmm.
2: he, that, I think that it's might have been his vague. first
0: movie. Um, so yes, first. we're talking about midnight. In
1: the of the movie. Yeah, I'm googling over here. I was, I was looking up like what the hell is Chablis? Like? That's one of those words you sing along to, but you're like, you don't really know what it's it is. Type, it's when a you're,
2: white wine. When you grew
1: up, okay, Harney County in mid 90s, I was knowing no, as a I didn't but know. elementary schooler like Chablis. Like, uh,
2: okay, if you don't know about the Lady Chablis educate yourself, but uh, the TLDR is the Lady Chablis is kind of like the ultimate Southern drag queen, I would say. She she passed away in September of 2017, Mm -hmm. Um, but she was this like hugely, like, just this like larger than life figure in Savannah who like really kind of was the face of like Southern drag for a long Mm -hmm. time. And she... She had a show for a really long time. Um, yeah. It, in I the mean, midnight. she was
0: performing
2: almost up until her death. Yeah, right? she had a monthly show in Savannah yeah. um, up until she died. Yeah,
0: but she was, with the, with the book and then the movie, she became, like, one of the first widely known drag queens. And, like, not mm-hmm. only widely known, but, like, it kind of brought... My understanding is I'm not a a drag historian or anything, Mm -hmm. but she brought like a face to drag shows for more of a national audience.
2: Yeah. And like her role in that story, both like in the book and the movie is interesting because she kind of acts as like a narrator Mm -hmm. and like a go-between. And one of my favorite pieces of trivia about the movie is that Diana Ross really wanted to play the Lady Chablis in the movie and was, like, really gunning for it, and the Lady Chablis said, I am going to play myself, and if I don't get to play myself, I'm not giving you my life rights to make this movie. And and so she, like got to do, like, she got to be in the movie because yeah. of that. But she was, was perfect. Yeah, so I mean, cool. she's playing herself. Right. So, like, it, like nothing else would have worked. Right. And no. she's just, uh she's so good in that movie. Her looks are so good. Yeah. That, like, blue sequin dress when yes. she goes to the cotillion. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, sorry. This is... <laughs> so, yeah, wait, so,
0: now, so we're now just gonna start a Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil podcast. Sign me up. Sign me up. But, um, if you haven't, like, that is one book that I, I don't know, pe- people that readers like probably have a handful of books like they just go back if they just want to pick up something quick or easy or something that they love like that's the one that I always will go to Mm -hmm. that in the Harry Potter series (laughs) because it's just so easy to read so you have to read it and watch I mean at least watch the movie all right, Spencer. Sorry. Good. And any of you listening that don't know what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, I'm getting homework here. So sorry. Hey, school's great.
0: back in session. This is what you get. Yeah. <laughs> those are those. Speaking
1: are... of straight tequila nights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> schools back in session. <laughs>
1: Funny you mentioned.
0: <laughs> but yeah. I, uh, I feel like
1: I shit on this song early. I I, I think it's a great song. Like the songwriting, is super catchy and all that. Like I love the song itself. I just. I kind of wish it was one of those, like, someone else also covered it later, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the same. Sorry you
0: don't like John Anderson. I'm a John Anderson fan.
1: Yeah, I mean. It's
0: it's... also, hey, the name of my father-in-law,
1: which is kind (laughs) of awkward. (laughs) I'm I'm not talking about him.
0: Not talking about him. Talking about John Anderson, the country musician. Yeah, so, straight tequila night. That's a good one. Almost as good as yours,
2: Spencer?
1: Uh, no. So <laughs> it's not nearly as good. Uh, my pick is uh, Jody Messina's Heads Carolina Tells California from her 96 self towel debut. So this is the song I associate with her most, even though she had bigger hits than this on her follow-up album, which are really good songs. But this, to me, and maybe it's because we're in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it just got, like, a lot more radio playing held up here a lot more than it did elsewhere. But for me, this is just, like, a classic song. Like, it was weird, I think, at the time for me to hear my home state growing up in rural North Carolina in a song like right next to California, right. um, which is a place you know from TV and movies and all that. It's like, oh, those are being like kind of equated with one another. Not that they were the same place, but... Well, they
0: both have them, uh, you know, up in the mountains and down by the
1: ocean. Right. They do have that. But it just was weird hearing that as a, a place. I want to escape and get to that place as someone who's <laughs> like in rural North Carolina and who's like, why? California would it? be the place you were escaping <laughs> right. to. You know, I remember and,
0: hearing the song and, and wondering where she was like, where is her starting point? Right. Like, is she dead center in the middle of the United States where it would be equidistant? For her to drive to Carolina or California.
1: Well, her navigation information on here isn't really clear. No. You <laughs> just start driving, and then they're going to check the map, which you're probably getting on. That would drive me You're probably get on 40 either way, just going east or west. Yeah, and you know, so get to 40, and you'll probably be good. So yeah, it was kind of like. Uh, figuring out North Carolina as a place in the bigger world I mean it mentions Boston, Des Moines too which uh <laughs> at that point I think the context after that was the Animaniacs State capital song I don't know if y'all remember that one
0: I was not allowed to watch the Animaniacs What? That doesn't surprise me I think that my mom tried to ban it and then I convinced her that it was Looney Tunes
1: mm. Well, get away with uh, it I, that, I wasn't
0: I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons or Beavis and Butthead either same
1: uh, yeah well that's too bad my stepdad tried to <laughs> bad ban The Simpsons and my mom was like nope <laughs> no that's not getting banned Married with Children was the one that was banned for me oh. which that show's not good I feel like if I was just allowed to watch it I wouldn't have wanted to watch it because it's it not was-
0: there was a lot of, like, sexy time stuff. That,
1: yeah, but I don't think I would have picked up on that as a kid. And I think I would have just not enjoyed it. And then I would not have tried to watch it when it came on. Because I would have realized, oh, this is not for me. It's not for me. good, yeah. Where, and then I could finally watch it, like, you know, in high school or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is not
0: I love good. to go back. So, my parents also watched Married with Children. And I wasn't allowed to watch it. But I love to go back and watch it now. Because knowing what the actors in that TV show have done since. So, like, Al is now on modern fan right, right, right. and Peggy is on Sons of Anarchy. Right. <laughs> she kills some motherfuckers on that show.
1: Spoiler well, alert none sorry. of these shows as good as Animaniacs, <laughs> True, but, which is on Netflix out. now, um, oh. I believe. Or Hulu, something. And you can watch a song or listen to it. We had that on tape where a wacko teaches sounds, a state capital. I was going to
0: say, that was sounds a, educational. It is very
1: educational. Your mom should
0: sure let you watch it, Allison.
2: It's okay.
1: Yeah, I bet you don't, know I the
0: don't
2: state feel like I missed As up. well as I do. No, but I know yeah. the Elements song by and Tom Lehrer.
1: <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so, we'll play a clip of this in a second, but uh, I was watching, I'd seen it before, um, a version she did for like a radio show where at the end she talked about the original... Version of the song that she was presented with when she was recording it, which apparently she recorded like the day after she got the um, the lyrics and heard, heard the demo or whatever. So in the original version, she said the first verse, uh, you know, kind of where it starts out of the gate is, we should have known that the day they shut the paper mill down, there'd be no future for us, no more in our little town. And then the, I've got people in Austin, Nature Day, so in Des Moines, all that. Um, people in Austin, not Boston, by the way.
0: She's from, Boston, or she's from Framingham. Massachusetts, or she was born in Framingham, Massachusetts.
1: Yeah, so I think that was that, that so adjustment. She changed it. But she also asked that they make it more universal, which is interesting because that, you know, we were talking earlier about how kind of late 90s, there was like an even bigger pop turn. And I feel like, you know, a lot of artists of that time... You know, or maybe slightly before We're still trying to have Like their country cred And like The day they Shut, shut that paper mill down In our small it's town is like country. definitely Like country And yeah. she's like Nah let's go with something That's going to be like More appealing To a broader audience yeah. Which was like An interesting uh, call for me That she wanted to Take a kind of Conscious step away From those more uh, rural references into something that would have resonated with a wider audience.
0: Yeah. So, so that brings up an interesting point. She, you know, she did not write the song, although she tweaked it a little bit. The songwriters were Tim Nichols and Mark Sanders, who Sanders wrote "I Hope You Dance," which we talked about last yes, episode. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, and I feel like uh, the the more episodes we do, we're going to see like names like Tim Nichols and Mark Sanders over and over and over again because they have done. So Much songwriting in this era, and it was produced by Tim McGraw, right? Who they
1: the whole album, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, the, they became friends after meeting, and apparently, Tim McGraw had a lot to do with her kind of like getting a deal and right a lot of her success.
1: All right, so let's listen to the beginning of that and we'll jump back into it,
0: baby. What do you say? You
1: would just get along. one horse town like two rebels with I think that song is still to me kind of like a timeless road trip song and one thing that I thought was awesome some students I teach at school like were picking their like walk-up music if they were like an athlete or whatever like what will be their walk-up song it kind of like, defines their life or like is there like inspirational moment or whatever so of course like most of those like pop or like you know hip-hop I like, just really like whatever was popular at the time and so last year one student picked this song and I was like that's amazing like that. that's <laughs> like yes this is my song and I was like that really like endeared that student to me a lot more it's like nope that's definitely not the coolest song to play with a bunch of 14 year olds in 2018 I don't think yeah I was gonna but,
2: ask like were your kids even like alive when that no, song was good. out?
1: they were not I mean that <laughs> well, was 22 years ago yeah. uh, so no absolutely not but it's just awesome that I was like this song holds up and like resonates with someone as like a um kind like of liberating and go out on the road and see mm-hmm. all these places go all these places kind of song um what
0: was your what was your pick for your walk-up i project?
1: did not i did not have to pick one. Oh, again this is one of those questions where i thought about it for like two weeks and, and then unfortunately do you, like you have a
2: quick answer for this one like you did i don't um I feel like lately my big like amp up song has been "I Do" by Cardi B. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if I if I had to pick like today right now, that would probably be it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would probably pick some garbage song that just pumps me up, like garbage in the sense of, like it's not an actual good song, but just as like a. 15 second segment, I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, go hit some dingers. Yeah,
2: or uh, the first couple seconds of uh, man, I feel like a woman, they're like, let's go, girls. Like, let's <laughs> right start right there. <laughs> I go to too many baseball games, so this is like
0: my, my go to question to ask people. And mine has been, I haven't changed this for a while, but it's Hair of the Dog by Nazareth, which is the song that says, Now You're Messing with a Son of a Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a good pump up. Mm-hmm. I don't think that a minor league baseball team would let
1: me play that. Yeah, I don't think so. Because of the B word. Yeah, you have to back that up with some stats, too. Yeah,
0: i have to check it out.
1: Another thing, cutting back to <laughs> the, back this to song, 90's country. is uh, I was reading where uh, I had no way of verifying this, but that uh, Jody Messina was doing one of those like online streaming concerts where you can just, uh, you know, she's sitting in her living room or whatever and playing, and she mentioned that at one point, Garth Brooks asked her if he could cover the song for an album of his and she shut him down because she said no one would remember her if he did the song.
2: I don't which, know that I agree with that. I don't well know if I, I mean do I think that's kind of fair because at the time like Garth Brooks was like at the top of the heap oh, yeah. And, you know, but when I did mean, he ask her
1: that? I, I that was the part where I wish I could verify and yeah. see like all right when did this happen? What was the timeline here? But it made me really want to hear Garth Brooks version of this, which I never would have thought about. Like it totally fits her voice and, delivery yeah. and all that i think but then i was kind of wondering like what would garth do and also like <laughs> i feel like it took some balls to be able to be like no biggest country star in the world right I now do. you cannot record the song and I also could have still done it anyway like i, I don't should, think he necessarily no, needed her permission i don't think so because she didn't write it and so right. he probably could just done it which is cool just, by Garth. not even like that. garth
0: i think that it would be an interesting song for any male singer to sing because I think the whole idea of like it's a very romantic song mm-hmm. in the sense of we're just picking up and moving and just dependent on our love keeping us together and it doesn't really matter as long as we're together that level of romanticism just seems like more of a, a topic you'd, or something you'd hear from a woman. Hmm. I, can't ima- I can't imagine a, a man, or I mean, it just doesn't feel as natural.
1: Garth Brooks kept stopping all the way and calling that. Rouge. I know, yeah. <laughs> back in the era of pay phones before I cell phones, know. he was pulling Tread off Tread. that highway and calling.
2: Well, I mean, there's that Avert Brothers song if it's the beaches, where there's a line in there about, uh, take whatever you think of, I'll go, I'll go gas up the truck yeah. and like, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of the part of that song
1: that man just floated to the top too, Rachel. Sorry.
0: I just, I like man, I like manly men. <laughs> Is Fishing in the Dark not romantic to you? Very <laughs> romantic. As long, as long as the man that I'm with will put the cricket on the hook for me because I'm not good at that. Not at all. Hot dogs I can do. Crickets not so
1: much. Speaking of the, the views on men, do you want to jump into? <laughs> three? That's a
0: great transition. <laughs> they really
1: know. Is that
2: that? Uh... Speaking oh. of men, Allison, what song did you pick? Uh, I picked "Goodbye Earl" because this is one of the songs that I really, really loved it as a child. But looking at it from a more adult perspective, I'm like, oh, my deep, deep love. For that song, when I was like too young to really get it, Mm -hmm. uh, probably was a strong indicator that I would turn out to be the like loudmouth feminist (laughs) that I am now because it's it's like a revenge song about like a woman getting abused and her BFF comes and goes like let's 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 just make this guy disappear yeah and nobody missed him at all no yeah I. Love this song, like, to the moon and back. I sang it at karaoke twice recently. Nice. At two separate karaoke of... <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, it's it's such a great song. Like I don't know how anyone, except for maybe like men's rights activists, <laughs> could
1: dislike. Well, apparently
0: like it. there were a lot of, like after this song came out, there were some men that tried to write response songs.
1: Yeah, there were some upset dudes with this. Paul Kraft wrote a song and it got attributed to different people on the internet. But apparently it's a guy named Paul Kraft who wrote a song called Hey Girls, This is Earl, I Didn't Die, which somehow mm-hmm. pretends that he didn't die. But gets knocked out and has amnesia, but still remembers that Marianne Wanda were trying to kill him. And so then they get arrested and he turns himself in for domestic abuse at the same time because he's a stand up kind of guy now, I guess, which is a whole weird spin on it. And then a band cleverly called the Dixie Dicks. Oh. Definitely definitely oh. <laughs> The Dixie part is accurate. We wrote a song called My Name is Earl, which also th- that's th- like TV that's a great T V show. TV show. Yeah. So uh, they wrote in response to this and Martina McBride's Independence Day. Yeah.
2: Also uh, a great, great right. revenge song. So
1: I guess they were thinking like these songs are gonna get women all uppity and they're gonna start having these false accusations basically he's like these songs were playing the idea. That my woman is going to accuse me of domestic abuse because she's really impressionable, and then you know, then I'll be in trouble.
2: Here's a great way not to get accused of domestic abuse: don't fucking hit your partner. Yeah, it's (laughs) and
1: and this song written by a dude, by the way. The the goodbye role written by a dude. So it's like. And,
0: and as, as we were discussing before, not only written by a dude, but before the Dixie Chicks recorded it, was recorded by a band of dudes. And it's like none of them had a problem with it because they're probably not the types of dudes that are going to hit a lady. All
1: right. Well, their problem with it, and uh, the band was Sons of the Desert, which we talked about in the last episode for being the backing vocalist on Leanne Wilmex's I Hope You Dance did nothing else really memorable, but they apparently discovered this song around the same time, maybe slightly before the Dixie Chicks and wanted to put it out as a single, wanted to record it for their second album and had been performing it in concerts. But they were on a label that was also a Sony subsidiary, like the Dixie Chicks were. So Dixie Chicks released it. They did not, and they got in a fight with their label, who uh, I assume were fine with dropping them because they weren't selling millions of records like the Dixie like Chicks. The Dixie Chicks. <laughs> um, you know. I mean,
0: they... fly. So this is from the album Fly, mm-hmm. which it debuted at number one on the Billboard 200.
1: Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, if sorry, they really, sorry,
0: Sons of the Desert. It probably was
1: a little bit trickier because they were on the same label and, or same parent company mm-hmm. and they both were released as singles, but we were talking the other day about Trisha Yearwood and Leanne Rimes both getting nominated for the Grammy in the same category for the same, same song, song for How Do I Live. Like, they could have gone with that. Probably wouldn't have happened. Their version wasn't that good. No. But,
0: uh. It's an okay version. It sounds a lot like the Dixie Chicks version. Yeah. Just, but with the guys in
2: it yeah see I haven't I haven't heard this other version but like I cannot imagine anybody other than like sassy Natalie Maines yeah. like singing that it, whole song it, it has to have a sassy well let's thing listen
1: to the to their version and then we'll go to Dixie Chicks okay. after that
2: yeah
0: so
1: the girls want And that's your first time hearing that clip of that. What's your impressions?
2: It's so snoozy. Like <laughs> the Dixie Chicks version, like Natalie Maines sounds so like gleeful in a way, and the way that he sings the line about like we need a break, like I don't, I don't believe him. Whereas yeah. you know, like when Natalie Maines is singing the song, she's like crowing about like we need a break, and it's ah, uh, <laughs> it doesn't even compare in my mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we Do can it. we can listen to the the real version. The real version. The one that we're glad made it out of the studio. <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't believe this other band really wanted Earl to die. I don't Dixie think so. Chicks did. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> That's so good. And so whatever with with the line about selling jam and Tennessee ham, like my visual is the music video mm-hmm. and them like slapping their asses with the <laughs> country ham. And um, we were talking a little bit earlier about how funny this video is with some of the stars that are in it, like uh, Jane Krakowski as Wanda, who is from... 40 Rock. 30 Rock. 40 Rock. 30, I'm not doing very well today. 30 Rock and, um, oh, what's... Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I love her as an actress because she can pull off, like, kind of a trashy small town girl like Mm -hmm. she does in this video or, like, a classy-ass lady like she does in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. She's so funny. And then... Uh, Lauren Holly plays Marianne, which I know her from NCIS, but...
1: I know her from Dumb and Dumber. It's, like a, it's a true child of the 90s. And Picket Fences, I forgot she was in that. She
0: was, yeah. Uh, which
1: I had like a mega crush on her in Picket Fences. That's so funny. So... I
0: like her better as a redhead on NCIS. Um, and then Earl was played by... We can't decide how to pronounce his last name. Either Dennis... Franz or Franz, a lot of people know him from NY- NYPD Blue, but I was reading about how the how he came to be in this music video and he met the Dixie Chicks backstage at on some late night TV show or something and they asked him to be in a, a music video and they wanted him to be one of the police officers and he was like, nah man, I want to be Earl. And so <laughs> in the video he's Earl and like gets zombified and kind of does like the Michael Jackson... Thriller. Thriller type dance. Go watch the video. It's really great. Oh, and also... Another thing that I loved about the video, Allison, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but I feel like you would really appreciate it. Jane Krakowski is wearing an airbrushed sweatshirt that says Earl's Girl. I <laughs> see,
2: it. I haven't watched that video in a bit. I need to go back and do a rewatch. I, was, I saw it and I was like, kind
0: of, kinda like the Miss Chablis thing. Like I was like, oh, I know that Allison likes the airbrush stuff.
2: It's true. <laughs> I have two airbrush t-shirts. <laughs> when I went to the fair this year to I went with the same friend, we got airbrushed t-shirts last year, and we went To the fair again together this year to get new shirts, Uh and the guy goes, Oh, you two are back. (laughs) Out. and that like, you did. made
0: it
1: what kind of impression do you make or is the airbrushing business of the fair just that slow these days I
2: don't know it was very like dude was super nice but it was it, both of those girls were also just like did we do something that made him remember us because you just that's, get that's airbrush really shirts way fun. cheaper online
1: these days and that's where it's all moving that's yeah. not as fun but, yeah I know no. but um one thing about like the characters of this song that I thought was really interesting the songwriter Dennis Lindy who I didn't really know any About until I was digging into this a couple nights ago. He also wrote Elvis's Burning Love. He wrote Garth Calling Baton Rouge. Yeah. Um, But he was like a big Nashville songwriter who was very much out of the spotlight. Apparently, his uh, wife and daughter would be the ones accepting awards for him because Mm -hmm. he was so out of the spotlight but won a lot of awards. Uh, he had a map on his wall that mapped out the locations, all these fictional characters and landmarks from his different songs. Whoa. So he also wrote Sammy Kershaw's Queen of the Queen of My Double Y Trailer. Earl was like the other guy in that. Yeah. So like theoretically the same Earl. So he's got on his map, you know, where that trailer park is that Earl was in a Queen of Wide trailer. He's got the water tower painted John Deere green, Joe Di- mm-hmm. Joe Diffie, mm-hmm. our man, the bar where Bubba shot the jukebox, uh, the place where Earl ended up dying, all that kind of stuff, which is really fascinating to me. It was apparently the photo was in a 2005 piece in New York Times, which is online, but without the photo so uh-huh. if anyone has like New York Times online access I feel like that would be an amazing photo to see but he was just like I have to keep up with all of my, where all yeah. my people are at and what you know what they're doing and where they're located and all that which yeah, I thought was just like that, really fascinating yeah, way yeah. to write songs. He
0: created yep. an entire like separate reality.
1: Yeah so I'm super into this dude and his songs now so I'm probably going to go real hard on some Dennis Lindy songs in the near future.
0: <laughs> I mean we've <laughs> already done Calling Baton Rouge Yeah. so we can just keep this going.
1: Yeah. And I remember, uh, Sarah, is that her name in Colin Baton Rouge?
0: Um, Samantha.
1: Samantha. So, we'll just see if Samantha makes appearances. Because I know you're really upset about Tricia not I being, know. Uh, even though it's prior to Garth meeting Trisha,
0: I was very upset that in Colin Baton Rouge, she says, hello, Samantha, dear. And it's like, your wife's name is Trisha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, I'm glad I picked the Dixie Chicks, but I also just remember that Garth Brooks' is, uh, The Red Strokes is a, that also qualifies. Mm-hmm. and. I have a lot of weird feelings about that song. Oh, we'll That's have great.
0: to we'll have to have you back whenever you come home
1: from Brooklyn. Yeah, we'll, we'll get biscuitville and Just, we'll chat. Yeah, yeah,
2: bribe me back. <laughs> That sounds like a plan.
1: Yeah.
2: So... Um, Oh, I also want to shout out on this record, the song Sin Wagon. Yes. Uh, Yeah, that was another one where I kind of couldn't decide between Goodbye Earl and Sin Wagon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Sin Sin Wagon was apparently, like, also kind of controversial because there's a line in there about, like, mattress dancing. Yes. (laughs) Well, and Sin Wagon was interesting because it actually
0: charted, even though it was never... Rele- like released it wasn't like as a single, single yeah. but because Fly did so well, and because people are into mattress dancing, <laughs> uh, apparently, it charted well, anyway, even though it wasn't a single.
1: I think I read that this song wasn't initially released as a single, it was getting kind of unsolicited airplay, and then they put out the single, out. which, badass move out of Dixie Chicks, they put on the B-side a cover of Stand By Your Man,
2: mm-hmm. which is I love that.
1: just a great move, <laughs> I, I love that.
2: Just like... I really, I mean, I think that the tide is turning, but I really hope that history completely fully redeems the Dixie Chicks. And
0: I think they will. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, even today, like, people are already being like, shit, we messed up.
2: And I think that that stadium tour that they did a couple summers ago mm-hmm. was almost all you, sold out. You went to that. Did you go to that Yeah, show? I did. Yeah. Yeah. They covered uh, "Daddy Lessons" by Beyonce, and I Did thought it was. On that? Th- yeah, they played on that, didn't they? I think they, they played, played on and... together at the Country Music Awards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if they played on the original, oh. but yeah, the CMA version is that, amazing. That was such a great performance. Yeah, when oh, I and mean, when they like turned "Long Time Gone" into like a second line. Uh, yeah did you clearly they out? were
1: they were uh there was a remix that they were on not the album version but it was a okay. remix studio version that was released
0: with but them on it
1: yeah. But yeah, I didn't realize that the album they put in t- 2006, I kind of got the impression they were still in the aftermath of all this controversy of other comments on Bush, which now would, are, like, super tame. When I went back and, like, read what they, what said, they said, I was like, yeah. oh, whoa, like, That's I didn't really remember. It, like, not, that
2: would, like, not even register. You know, that yeah, that would now, maybe
1: get, like, some angry tweets by, you know, Trumpers these days. But, like, wouldn't it, yeah, wouldn't just be a blip on the radar now and, like, you know, temporarily brought down their career, I would say, but their most recent album, the one in 2006, I didn't realize basically like swept the Grammys, got album of the year, song of the year, record of the year, all that's all the big awards.
2: Cause the, and that's the one with not ready to make nice on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Another just like incredible song.
1: Yeah. So it was, I, I appreciate that. At least that kind of helped them rebound somewhat. And I okay. think like you said, the tide is turning, but, yep. uh, I didn't realize that they were already bouncing back then from it, which I guess was after Bush was out of office too. Yeah. So that probably helped.
2: Yeah, two thousand six, not yet. Two
1: thousand eight.
2: Eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah, Obama was
1: Yeah. Okay. In. Well. Yeah. Not quite. So.
2: But le- but late
0: enough in his because the the criticism came fairly early in his because
2: yeah it was in two thousand
0: yeah it was three because I think it was right after the second Gulf War started. Yeah. yeah. I, that's what the some. Especially with politics now, so many people are vocal about their perspectives, and it always kills me when I see, like, an artist post something, and then they get some response. It's like, stick to music, and it's like, music is so political. Like, if you actually pay attention to the lyrics and what's happening, I mean, there's so much that is political that you just, if you don't want to pay attention, you miss it. Yeah.
1: And then wasn't it when they were in North Carolina for that last tour, they did the No Hate North State.
2: Yeah, hats. I still yeah. have one of those. Yeah. yeah. And they like they gave a whole bunch of money, I think, to the um, human rights campaign. campaign. Yeah, yeah, because at that show, they were like, we brought you guys presents, but you have to promise to try to repeal HB2. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: yeah I, they had... were like one of the few bands that didn't cancel their yeah. North Carolina stop in yeah. spite of HB2. Yeah. And instead, they embraced it and tried to
1: go against
2: it. Yeah. Which hooray. (laughs) I'm glad they didn't cancel. Yeah. Because that show was like was one of the best shows I went to that year.
1: Yeah, and I think it's awesome that, you know, Natalie apologized after the Bush stuff. I don't think that that part didn't wasn't necessarily awesome. I think it's awesome that like that didn't stop them from still trying to make Local comments, mm-hmm. knowing that they were in the right ultimately.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And even at that Walnut Creek show, like beyond the HB2 stuff, uh, on the big, like, Jumbotron type screens before they even started, they were running ads for, like, Planned Parenthood. And I can't remember the name of the nonprofit, but it was a nonprofit that it might have been the Innocence Project, actually. Mm. But yeah, it was, like, super progressive politics, yeah. like, very, very not obviously surprising. broadcast. Well, and not surprising
0: considering their history yeah. that they would support organizations like like
1: that. I wonder if their audience has also become more progressive along with them. As they as they You mean you mean
0: like like the audience was less progressive and now they're more progressive or they're losing all of
1: their Well, I think like at least in a lot of rural areas around here tends to lean more conservative but mm-hmm. i feel like at least for me a lot of like my friend group my peers it's like you go to college in a bigger city that kind of thing exposure. and you kind of exposure to other ideas you and know other people yeah and you get a little bit more progressive with your ideals that happens i think and so maybe some of the crowd that was all up in arms by their comments you know now is a little bit more open-minded mm-hmm. than they used to be so maybe yeah. just a theory not yeah. sure
2: well, Anyway. They're wonderful, regardless of the politics, so. Yep. I'm so glad I get to live on this earth the same time as the Dixie Chicks. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, very good. Great songs this week. Thanks for joining us today, Allison. Any cool stuff you have coming up? Other than
2: than moving? (laughs) Uh... No, I'm just working on getting rid of most of my worldly possessions. and. Where can, um, if people are
0: interested in your writing, where can they read articles? Aside from the indie, do you have
2: a... I have a Twitter account. Do
0: you have a Twitter account? <laughs> uh, do you have a, like a, a personal,
2: you have a personal website, don't yeah. you, that links to a lot of your writing? Yeah, my personal website is huss, H-U-S-S dot works. Nice. That's my website. That's works. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Because <laughs> that's what I do all
0: Very the time. cool well the triangle is definitely losing an awesome writer and oh. editor by me,
1: in maybe. person you, can that
0: <laughs> you didn't let me finish i was also gonna say purveyor of snacks lover of dolly parton and just person in general
1: you know, a person like top billing on that but i anyway. saved the
0: best for last okay
1: sorry yeah. for sorry for jumping in there just making sure god spencer well you've been you've been, you been, you been, you been missing some stuff today so just to I make know, sure you were i've on been it,
0: off you know i don't i need a nap you didn't even
1: Get to make a joke about how she's going somewhere greener, somewhere warmer, Brooklyn. You know, obviously this would definitely make sense for Allison. The history. No. It's a sarcasm, but thanks.
0: <sighs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so this it's is. The, that will get edited out, so we have is, a better end. <laughs> this is the end of the episode now because Spencer made a bad joke. Thanks for listening, <laughs> and we'll see you next week.
1: Yep. Thanks. Bye. Bye. I'm gonna edit that shit out. <laughs> <laughs>